This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we can go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Now joining us as he does each and every single week by way of the locker room app is the Athletics Ali Bijani. What's going on, Ali Khan? How you doing? Hello, Jackson. Hello, uh, Rockets fans. Nice to be with you this week again. So we've got a couple topics lined up here. We want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr.'s 50 piece, as well as we're going to break down a little bit uh, of some of the Rockets' ATOs after timeout uh, plays and kind of getting into that little area because I feel like that's an area that could use some illumination for Rockets fans and basketball fans in general. But first things first, we got to start with KPJ and his monster game. I already reacted to this game, Ali Khan, but just to kind of put in perspective, right, how big this game was, you know, for, for Kevin Porter Jr. We're going to dive into the specifics on it, but he had the, the 33rd ever 50-point, 10-assist game in NBA history. And of those games, his ranked fourth in true shooting percentage. It was tied for first in made three-pointers, seventh in field goal percentage, and he was sixth least in free throws made. So he didn't only just have a 50-point, 10-plus assist performance. He had one of the better 50 and 10 performances in NBA history. Shout out Nima, great friend of the show. Go give him a follow at FindingNima23 on Twitter for digging up those specific stats. But Ali Khan, what was your reaction to this huge game from Kevin Porter Jr.? What does it mean to you for his development moving forward? You know, if my biggest thing that we've talked about on, on this show is I would like to see a better balance from him in terms of scoring and playmaking. I think that's his next step as a ball handler. You know, you can tell that he's able to pass the ball well whenever he locks in and he makes the read. He's able to kind of get to his spots well um, on the mid-range, on step-back threes. He kind of has a little shake-and-bake move that he likes from the right side since he's a left-handed shooter. But for me, the, the next step for him, and we saw that a lot of the Milwaukee game, is being aggressive when he finds a mismatch he likes, taking advantage of it. And Steven Silas will always give him the green light that if he finds a mismatch and he feels like he can get the best of the defender in front of him and create an advantage for himself or his teammates, he's going to allow him to do so. And, and I think that in that Milwaukee game, that was probably his best example this season, even though there was some absurd shot making, obviously, but the best example of him being aggressive, but also making sure that he's using that aggression and that ability to draw in multiple defenders and make the right pass. Um, you guys can find the clip on my Twitter, um, at Rockets underscore Insider, but I, I, I highlighted a play that even Steven Salas brought up to me too, 
where I, I, you know, I asked Steven Southey how well, you know, as well he scored at 50 points, how well was his passing that game? And he, and I particularly highlighted that Jay Sean Tate play. It was a pass at Jay Sean where Kevin Porter Jr. beat the man off the dribble. Um, he put the defender on his back off the pick and roll. He knew Brooke Lopez was going to come to contest. And he was looking at the weak side using his eyes to force the defenders to move towards certain shooters. And once that happened, Brooke Lopez committed. He made the right pass underneath to Jay Sean Tate who missed the layup, but Kelly Olenek was there for the score. But that type of next-level read, not many ball handlers in the league can make that type of read, and that was really that was very, very promising to see from that game. So a lot, of, a lot of positives to take away from his play these last week or so, especially since he's come back uh, from the health and safety protocols. You're seeing that maturity there. He and, and um, Steven Salas have really wa- watched a lot of film together. They've kind of gone through scenarios, hey, what do I need to do in this situation? And you're seeing that play, uh, play uh, to fruition for him. I think, too, in that game, uh, that, that play that you're highlighting at the, at the very end, uh, it, it came with about a minute to go. The read, the pass to Jay Sean Tate was big because it also felt like, you know, KPJ could have easily been greedy, right? He could have gone to, to really force the issue to try and score the bucket himself because he was sitting on uh, 49 points at the time. But for him to have that maturity, to make that read, to make the right basketball play speaks volumes about where he's come and, you know, where he, you know, his continued growth, I guess, as the, as the primary guard, the leader for this Rockets team and the orchestrator of their offense. Yeah. And, you know, when, when, it, when it comes, when it comes to, that question about him and John Wall, you know, I still would like to see him play more alongside another dominant ball handler because Kevin Porter Jr. will need to continue to learn. And, he, and he's shown that he's he's done a good job of that lately about, you know what, when I don't have the ball, how do I make sure that whoever has the ball and is trying to make a play for myself and my teammates or, or for me and my teammates that, you know, what do I do to make sure I'm, I'm properly spacing, I'm moving. He, he's showing better examples of that. But, you know, I would like to see him whenever he's playing, especially with another dominant guard. Can he kind of keep up this scoring and also this balanced aggression of what his role needs to be? I think that in itself will allow him to thrive if he does play as like a second year uh, primary primary playmaker uh, next season. Does this at all change your perception, Ali Khan, of where you think his ceiling is now that we've, you know, he's had some big games since joining the Houston Rockets. He's played 25 games now, and he's had some really impressive performances. But this one is, you know, up there. I mean, there's, again, only the 33rd player ever for 50-plus points and 10-plus assists. Does this change your perception at all of what his true ceiling may be? I'm still – I know a lot of Rockets fans are very optimistic on him. I'm not trying to create doubts. I'm not trying to hype him up too much. I honestly still don't know what his floor is, what his ceiling is. You know, the more I look at it, the more I think about it, and I, I think this may just be because he's a Seattle kid. He's from Washington. But I really like the Jamal Crawford comparison in terms of being a scorer um, and just kind of getting to his shots and playing at his own pace. I think Kevin Porter Jr. has shown a lot of flashes where he can match the pace, match the pace of his teammates but he's also willing to kind of use his pace and use his speed or deceleration to kind of get past the defender. So from that perspective, I like the Jamal Crawford comparisons for him, but I still need to see more before I come up with a, with, with a better idea of what he can be. 
Definitely a huge game, a career night for Kevin Porter Jr. And hey, look, it's also, as we're recording this Tuesday evening, May the 4th, May the 4th be with you all, uh, whether you're in the room, listening on the go, in the car, wherever you're listening to the show at. Uh, it's also Kevin Porter Jr.'s birthday. So shout out to the birthday boy as we're discussing him, which uh, leads me perfectly into our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, who, you know, who else could I pick for Michelob Ultra Player of the Week other than it, it's got to be Daquan Jeffries. No, I'm kidding. It's actually Kevin Porter Jr. It's got, it's got to be KPJ. KPJ had a game for the absolute record books against the Bucks. 50 points, 11 assists, 5 boards on a ridiculous 9 of 15 from behind the arc. Crazy good numbers, just like Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Kevin Porter Jr. made history, becoming the youngest player to ever drop 50-plus points along with 10-plus assists. So why not enjoy a Michelob Ultra the next time KPJ adds more to the record books? Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Rockets fans were certainly happy about this win against the Bucks, as Kevin Porter Jr. had the best individual game of any Rockets player this season, and that's why he is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And continuing on here at Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball by way of the Locker Room app, chatting, of course, with the Athletics' Ali Khan Bijani. Now, Ali Khan, this segment, I really want to dive a little bit into discussing ATOs, right? After timeouts, after timeout plays and kind of just providing a little bit of knowledge because I, I myself, you know, I'm not, you know, the most well-versed X's and O's guy. You know, I, I try to leave that to the experts like, like yourself. And I still learn so much, you know, from you and from others who, you know, spend their time, uh, you know, Steve Jones Jr., Nikaias Duncan, you know, a lot of other great film breakdown type guys on social media. But when it comes to ATOs, the approach to them in my head, just on the surface, right? What is the difference between an ATO play and say, just calling a, a live play, you know, in the middle of the action, you know, how do those plays kind of separate themselves, you know, in the eyes of, of Steven Silas and the Rockets coaching staff? Well, you know, it, just, just a quick, I guess the biggest difference between the two, or at least what I like to think about the biggest difference is that when you're looking at an ATO, you're, you're looking at the shot clock in mind and you're looking at the time and, kind of when you want to get the play started. You can kind of be in a formation early, but it doesn't necessarily start until a specific time period or if they have a few seconds left, it kind of changes the perception of it. The way the Rockets kind of do ATOs is that there are multiple options Steven Silas draws up and the huddle. will oftentimes kind of drop multiple plays, but in this case, there are multiple options from the play itself. So if he's running a horns or if he's running some new actions that he's been kind of putting into um, over these last few weeks, He'll, you know, have Kevin Porter Jr. come off of two screens and be one of the one, one of the plays, you know, one of the rollers or the screeners is diving, the other one is popping, and kind of Kevin Porter Jr. is looking for the mismatch. The next play down, maybe he, they set two screens again, but instead of one of them setting the screen, they slip, and the other person sets another screen for Kevin Porter Jr. So there are these subtle variations that exist in his play calls, especially after timeouts, just to make sure the Rockets are giving the defense different looks but also playing within their strengths and their skills. Um, so I really do feel like that we've seen a really good example of that. I, I don't necessarily think that we've seen a, a plethora of what Silas ideally wants to do. There's so many injuries and there's so many changes with the personnel. It's really hard for him to really kind of do and explore with different types of ATOs or different types of playbook sets. But we've seen some uh, you know common things that he had while he was with the Mavericks. A very common one is... Um, a flare screen, 
um, where they'll set, you know, have the five set of flares for somebody else coming off that kind of like a little nice flare. It comes off shoot a three or kind of come off the screen to catch the ball and go into a pick and roll. They like dribble handoffs. They like to run delay, which is a very common action from the D'Antoni era where you have the screener kind of come and set a wedge screen kind of uh, towards the ball handler and it kind of get going. So there's different things that he's running um, just to kind of use Olenek and Wood the best they can and kind of mix the way they're popping and rolling. Um, but, you know, in terms of just ATOs versus play calls, you know, in the thing in particular, I think for the Rockets, ATOs are more about making sure they're getting the shot and moving the ball side to side versus if he's calling a play in the game, it's more likely just to do the fact that he wants the Rockets to kind of make sure they're creating a mismatch and allowing the ball movement to happen off of that. That's kind of what I've seen personally, especially these last few weeks. Just to give you guys some numbers, though, um, the Rockets right now in after timeouts are – 17th out of the 30 teams in the NBA. So um, that that's not bad. That's not good. But I will tell you from the eye test, Steven South has a lot of great creative plays. You know, it, it, the, the ranking I just gave you is based off of points per possession or points that the team scores. That may not be, as you guys know, a reflection of what Steven South's X's and O's acumen is. But he's done a great job. I've been kind of making a notes throughout the season of what are some very common or very new things he's been exploring. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that these next few weeks, making sure that if Wood is playing, making sure that he can explore and experiment with Wood's versatility, but allowing Olenek to also be a passer and score inside the paint. We've highlighted a few you know, specific instances of some plays that have stood out to us since you know, kind of starting up this uh, new weekly routine that we're on AliCon. Is there a play that jumps to the forefront of your mind, something, uh, and this could be, this could be an ATO or it could just be a play that was run, you know, uh, live during the game, not, not an ATO specifically, but are there any, you know, specific sets that Silas has been using either frequently, or maybe you've only seen it once or twice. And it really stood out to you as an interesting play, something that you'd either like to see them, you know, attempt more of, or just something that kind of shocked you when it was in play. And I, I say that because I saw like the other night against the Warriors, they ran what was essentially a one five pick and roll with Kevin Porter Jr. setting a screen for Christian Wood as Wood mm-hmm. drove into the basket. And I saw that and I was like, okay, that's a little that's kind of odd and random, but okay, I'm with it. Like it's an interesting wrinkle. Let's see where this goes. So is there anything like that that's kind of stood out to you so far? Yeah, I, I would say that's a great example of one. I think for me on that same topic, I really like when Olinick or Wood screen for each other. And what I mean by that, there's examples where Wood is isolating on the low block, and he may, he may have a tougher or stronger defender on him, really hard for him to kind of get closer to the paint. So instead of having to have to contort his body or kind of go up a little awkward, Olenek comes to the screen near the elbow, which is called like a snug pick and roll, or another name is an elbow pick and roll, and Wood kind of just turns the corner and quickly kind of puts up shot. He reaches out with his right hand, goes up for the shot, or he'll put his dip his shoulder in and try to get him towards the layup. That's, that's something I've seen more and more lately, and I really like that play because it's so simple, but also makes it tough on these defenses that are looking to double-team Christian Wood. So the best types of ATOs or um, plays during the game aren't necessarily the most like advanced or like super movement. They don't have to be like elevator doors or like multiple different passes. The simple ones are often the ones that are most successful, which as Rockets fans, you may have seen with Mike D'Antoni, he had very simple sets – very simple actions he liked to run his offense out of. And they were so effective that way because they were the simple um, simple moves, simple screens, simple rolls, but they were just so effective. 
And I'm and it does. Yes, and, and and Carly says in the chat he had James Harden. Absolutely, James Harden makes everything easier. Arguably one of the greatest offensive players of all time, and, and, and I really do think that if Salas had an efficient ball handler, these plays that I'm talking about, you'd be you'd notice them a lot more because obviously they'd be converting a lot more too. And like, oh wow, you know what? That was a good after timeout set. But next time you are watching these games, um, when they play Philly, when they play Milwaukee, you know, take a look at. You know how they're doing because Milwaukee and Philly are one of the best uh, few teams in the league when it comes to after timeout sets in terms of drawing them up, getting their players in good positions. And I, I would say to you, Silas is getting to a point where I would put him as you know what this guy does have some creative after timeout sets. One more on this topic of of ATOs and just kind of play calling in general. But who to you? And I will we'll stay we'll stay on the offensive side of this because I feel like it might be a different answer defensively possibly. Who to you is the most interesting Rockets player to kind of keep an eye on during their offensive sets when they're off the ball? I would say watch Jay Sean Tate. The reason why is he's not only being used as the screener in terms of those little short rolls he does or those slips, but on the weak side he'll run flare screens or he'll have a nice little cut inside from the slot. So I've talked about this early on. But there's kind of three different roles for, like, a bigger type of player in the offense. Like, if you're in the corner, obviously, like, if you're a bigger player like Tate um, or Wood, you're going to have probably the five or some big on you towards that, and you're taking him away from the paint. So if that happens, you have to make a right read, either shoot the shot or make a nice cut. From the slot, you can go for the offensive rebounds. You can slash. Um, from the top of the key, you can kind of run, pick, and roll, roll to the rim, shoot, whatever the case may be. He plays all those things effectively. He sinks into where he's supposed to go. Uh, and, and I think he is just a great safety valve for them when they are in a situation um, where they need a quick basket and there's not more than one ball handle on the floor. You know, he actually talked about this um, after the Milwaukee game. Uh, he, you know, somebody asked him, you know, do you like playing point guard? And he said that, you know, I do, but I don't like playing it, you know, necessarily full time. He likes to have the ball in his hands in certain situations. And I think in the half court setting, as he continues to put his three point shot together, he, he's, he's, you know, he's going to be somebody who's a great asset for them. And I think moving forward the rest of the season, if that is one player you keep an eye out on, watch Jay Shante. And I think a secondary or an honorary mention would be Kelly Olinick. Kelly's just so smart. He uses these sets where the office is trying to get into a play as a way to create a mismatch and either post up down low or make a pass to somebody else. And I think he's really fun to watch in those situations as well. This is going to be something we build upon next week because I've already you know, come up with a couple topics, a couple tree branches off of this one that I want to follow up with you on, Ali Khan. But we'll have to do that next week because coming up, we're going to branch out a little bit, no pun intended, after the tree commentary, unfortunately. God, that was bad. Um, we're going to have to branch out, and we're going to actually talk about uh, who our picks are for NBA Coach of the Year. And we'll get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Now, Built Bar, look, if you've never had a protein bar that you actually enjoyed, right, Built Bar, you've got to check them out. They're the best protein bars that I've ever personally had. And the best thing about these bars, they're not gritty or chalky like traditional protein bars on the market. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're covered in 100% delicious chocolate. They've got so many amazing flavors, peanut butter brownie, coconut, raspberry, salted caramel. I mean, it's just you cannot go wrong with any of their flavors on their menu. My personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk, it is amazing. These bars are low-cal, low-sugar high protein, high fiber. Great. If you're on a keto diet and you can check them out, just go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. 
Another quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. NBA playoffs are right around the corner. You can track all of the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs. They've got MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, you name it. They've probably got the bets available there. So head over to their website and sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at Bet Online. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting by way of the Locker Room app with the Athletics' Ali Kambijani each and every week as we promote our Locked on Rockets film room session here on Locker Room. Uh, let's go ahead, Ali Khan. I want to take a step away, and this is a Rockets-focused podcast, but there are times when we step away and, and kind of look at the NBA at large. So I want to start, and really to you, who has been, in your mind, the coach of the year, you know, in your eyes to this, to this point in the season? Who do, you, who do you have as your coach of the year winner? Man, you know, this is I, honestly I'm with you. I'm with you, tough, I'm with you, Diego. It's a, this is honestly a very tough question. Um, I, I think if you asked me today, I would pick Monty Williams, definitely. Um, but I, I will say that the job that Quinn Snyder has done with Utah um, should also be very much looked at. Um, I, I think that the Jazz, in terms of how together they've stayed and the great job they've done, is something to marvel. And I think somebody else to also mention, he, I don't think he's getting enough credit because the talent he has, or I think two other coaches. First is Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers and the Philly team are, ta- are first place right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, and then also the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau. The fact that they're almost 10 games above 500, they're the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, that's fantastic. Great for the city of New York, great for the NBA as well. And so that would probably be those the, the choices I'd be going with. As of today, Monty Williams, just a great job he's done organizing that young core with Chris Paul. Um, but I think – you know what? I'm going to throw a little curveball here. I think my second place would be like Tom Thibodeau um, with the Knicks. I'm glad you mentioned Thibodeau because I do think that like he's – I feel like there's a there's a potential for him to be there. I guess like – so I have Monty in my, in, my, in, in my corner, right? Like I really think he's done a phenomenal job with the Phoenix Suns. I actually wasn't as bullish on the Suns as many other people coming into the season. I honestly had them pegged as around like a six or a seven seed. I didn't see them – really taking the leap. Um, but I also think it's been a really weird year just in the NBA as a whole with COVID, with injuries. There's just been a lot going on. And I think the Suns have had a, a relatively, to my knowledge at least, a relatively COVID, COVID-free, COVID injury-free season. Um, and he has done an incredible job. And it started before they even picked up Chris Paul, right? The Suns went 8-0 in the bubble and, and somehow still didn't make the playoffs, which was such a travesty that that team didn't get a shot at the play-in tournament, unfortunately, when it was all said and done. But I've got him up there, but I, I do like that you highlighted Thibodeau. Um, if you had to pick who, who you think the three finalists are really going to come down to, who do you think – who do you have? Man, great question. I think it's going to be Monty. Probably going to be Quinn and probably Tom Thibodeau. I think it's really tough, and I, I, so it's it's such a tough year because you've got so many great coaches who could be in the conversation. Again, you mentioned Doc Rivers and the fact that he's got Philly in the number one spot. Um, I mean, Ty Lue, you could maybe make an argument for. I mean, the Clippers haven't exactly made 
a you know substantial jump, but he took a team you know and, and as his first year as their head coach has them in a pretty comfortable spot in a stacked Western Conference. There's just a, a lot of different names that you can throw out there, but I do think Quinn Snyder's another one. Uh, has do you has Quinn Snyder won a Coach of the Year award? He hasn't, right? Not yet. No, he has not. Okay, that makes it okay. Yeah, I mean, I can. And I guess I, that's a that's a pretty solid final three, and we're getting a lot of we're getting people saying that they're that you're copying them in the chat. So Ali Khan, you need to come up with some ori- <laughs> some original takes, some more fire original takes. Like uh, Jay Sean Tate is the next LeBron James. That was a great one. <laughs> oh my God, y'all are too much in the chat, man. Um, yeah, no, and I, I, I look. I know it's it's tough to show Utah love on a Rockets podcast. Trust me, I, I wake up and there are certain days where I just, you know, decide to choose violence and, you know, just cause mayhem when it comes to the Utah Jazz or the Golden State Warriors or the Dallas Mavericks. Those are like the three punching bag teams that are great to just uh, lob a grenade towards and see what happens, especially on social media. But legitimately, Quinn Snyder is a phenomenal coach and he's done an amazing job with the Utah Jazz this year. They're, there's a reason that they are, you know, a wrecking crew, uh, you know, just going through every other team in the Western Conference and making it look easy. Granted, they've hit a little bit of a, a rough patch here, but um, I still think they're a legitimate threat in this conference. Now, Ali Khan, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, you, you know the drill. You want to go ahead and let everybody know where to track you down at? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider. I've added YouTube uh, as well, so add Rockets Finally. Film Room on YouTube as well, so give, give me a follow there. Have some good stuff coming for you all soon. So we're going to so if you're in the locker room right now you got to be sure to stick around if you're listening to this podcast we're going to wrap up the pod here but that means we are rolling into our Locked on Rockets after dark but for this episode of Locked on Rockets thank you so much for listening we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball <laughs>